Welcome to Crystallizing Conversations. Join your hosts, Jillian Aurelia Green and Iris Unique as we explore the tools, pathways, and possibilities for healing and expansion. Through the warmth of easy conversation, we'll be delving into magic, mental health, and more. This is your time to learn about yourself, each other, and of course, the crystals that support us along the way. This isn't just a podcast, it's a community of your closest spiritual friends. Let's grow together. Welcome, everybody, to Hello. Crystallizing Conversations. Today we have with us Chris Olivas, and she is a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified emotion code practitioner that uses many different modalities when working with her clients, including hypnotherapy, emotional freedom technique, also known as tapping, advanced integrative therapy, and crystal bowl and tuning fork clearings, just to name a few. Her mission is to identify, teach, and activate starseeds and lightworkers to their divine knowing. Her practice has transformed to integrate a blend of psychotherapy, shamanic practices, quantum healing, sound therapy, and essential oils to clear all that blocks us from our radiant light within. These blocks can come in the form of limiting beliefs, trapped emotions, ancestral and past life residues, and are often stored in their subtle energetic fields. Chris, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank I am, you, Iris. Thank you, Jillian. We're both so excited to dive into this topic. I feel like this is something that a lot of us might not even realize that we're going through, that yes. it's affecting our life. And, and so I'm... I, oh, I just wanted to say for those of you who, who didn't read the, um, the description in the show notes. So Chris has so many talents and so many focuses, but, uh, when we were, when we had our, our intro, our pre-meeting, it really kind of kept coming back to inner child work and to shadow work. And we've mentioned inner child work in, um, I think our episode with Marla, which was a beautiful one, if, if you haven't checked that out. Um, but I know that this is, a topic for both Iris and I, something that we have done, I think at least individually and, and with support of others, a lot of, a lot, a lot of in our lives and being able to really share that with other people, um, I think is really, is really important. And so I'm so excited, Chris, to have you, someone who's, this is what you do is you really guide people through this process because it can be so challenging and it can be really blocking us from living the lives that we want to lead. So I'm very excited about this episode. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so before um, we um, really totally get into this topic, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Chris, and how you came to separate yourself from the traditional psychotherapist route, and as you call it, become a therapist con rogue? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so, you know, I, I've been somewhat a reluctant light worker. I um, have been asleep for most of my life, uh, and so what happened was I had a, a physical illness happen in 26. It actually began at the end of 2016, around September. And um, the Western medicine said that it's eczema. 
uh, and it was uh, just what I was going to live with. But it was actually much more than that. I had brain fog. Uh, I was exhausted. Uh, some some of my friends thought I had Lyme. Some people thought I had lupus. It was extraordinarily difficult for me because I'm typically very healthy. And so um, I went through healings. I went through Western medicine, but everything I did made it worse. And they said it shouldn't make it worse. So by the time the end of April came around in 2017, I was desperate. I didn't want to live anymore because it was, um, it covered my arms and my hands. They were double the size. Uh, I was in extreme pain. Uh, my fingers and everything was cracked. I had band-aids all over me. I wore long sleeves in the summer because, or in the heat, because uh, I didn't want my clients to be concerned for me because it was, it looks, it looked like severe burns. Oh my goodness. And um, through synchronicities, I, uh, a friend of a friend, uh, my shaman friend had a shaman friend who showed up to my center uh, to, and, and I ended up being the one who received the Reiki clearing because we oh. usually were doing Reiki sharing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was interesting because she said, uh, there were two of them. And one was a woman who I knew who was psychic and the, she was a shaman. And after they did the, uh, the Reiki healing, she just looked at me and she said, it's in the blood. And the other person said, yes, it's in the lineage. And at that point, um, I looked at my friend and asked him, did you tell them? Cause I figured they probably knew. And he said, no. And I showed my arms and I said, I don't, I don't know what to do. And so she invited me to come to Peru and work with her shaman. Uh, so I, it, within a couple of weeks, I bought a ticket, went to Peru for 10 days. Oh, wow. And she said, come and do plant medicine with my shaman. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew at that time I worked with essential oils and that I consider that plant medicine. And so I was very naive in the sense of I'm going to Peru and it's going to be plant medicine. Um, and it, was, it wasn't until I checked into it that I learned that it was ayahuasca. Oh, wow. uh, I, and I, uh, over the 10-day period, I did six journeys, six ceremonies of ayahuasca. And I not only came home cleared, of this and oh, wow. and it was a, it was a full miracle full oh my miracle. goodness but um i was given a message during my journeys very specific mm -hmm. message that i was here to assist humanity to awaken and um and i still resisted i got back and i didn't know what to say i thought it was very strange and people wouldn't believe me the things that i saw in my journeys and what they told me about my past and my my soul's journey and so i just tried to keep going back to normal but then i started getting visions and i started getting all these really they would be visions to me were like dreams but they're you're awake you're fully awake. yeah right and so those were just coming in really strongly and um i just didn't know what to think about it and it it took about between one and two years for me to finally just, it was during a drumming ceremony again in my center and mm -hmm. I had just a vision of something that I thought just blew me away. And my friend said, ask them why they keep showing you the visions. And when I said that, that is when all my guides in unison said, we need you to wake up. Mm -hmm. um, so all of that brought me to this place of beginning to integrate in to my traditional psychotherapy practice methods that were here to heal the energy bodies in order to, uh, so going back to the journey, the one journey where they said what I was here to do, um, the message was that people, humanity was stuck in uh, their thoughts. 
And they said, and they showed it to me like this. They said they loop in their thoughts. And they said it was much more difficult. They didn't realize to wake up, to wake the one up. And so they said they need to, uh, they need to release this energy in order to be light. And I asked the question in my journey, light is a feather or light is bright? And they answered yes. <laughs> and that's Very because, clear. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so that has been what I've been doing ever since is uh, being guided and led to help clear the energy fields of uh, the density, which is emotional trapped emotions and uh, the patterns of beliefs that show up in how our life is. So whatever's showing up in our life. Um, and, and that has been uh, transformative for myself as well as so many people. Uh, because whatever I've worked on and that's worked for me is what I keep sharing with others. Right. That's amazing. So I know um, when we talked before, you had mentioned, so basically come, people come to you and they have recurring things in their life that are happening. And then you dive a little deeper and it a, a lot of times stems back to their childhood. Is that correct? Yes. The childhood is typically where a template is formed. That's where the belief system tends to be formed because the first seven years we are like a sponge absorbing everything. Um, but the child is trying to make sense of the, of the experiences. And, and because they're, you're a child, uh, children, uh, and it's just a developmental uh, thing, children believe things happen because of them. Mm. So if mommy is very stressed out and doesn't have a lot of energy to be present with her child and she's frustrated with her child, for being a child, uh, the child will begin to think something's wrong with them. Mm. And each child would decide something. Uh, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not a good person. I'm a bad kid. Now, if you have a parent who says that all well, then you get it confirmed. Mm -hmm. So the childhood is a, uh, a very important time. Uh, but because we all have to move on in our life, if we can't do anything about it, when we're children, mm -hmm. we will leave these parts of us and I call them fragmented. They will, they will kind of stay stuck in a looping of a belief, but it shows up every time it's triggered in your adult life. So Got that's it. where we're looking for what's happening in your adult life and looking at the did past. it happen in your childhood as well. Got Before it. we dive any deeper, just because not everyone is familiar with some of the terms we're going to be using, do you mind, um, however you divide it, some of some of the phrases that we've already heard, so like the inner inner child work, light worker, star seed, shadow work. We can take them one at a time or, or all together, however <laughs> you like. But I just want to make sure, like you know, as we're diving into this topic, which can have a lot of a lot of depth and a lot of layers, that everyone's understanding the terminology that we're using. Yes. Um, inner child work and shadow work really are uh, the same thing. Hmm. The shadow, is, and Carl Jung was the one who came up with the term the shadow, but the shadow symbolically, if you think about it, it typically is behind you and it follows you wherever you go. But as you turn, it turns with you and so you can't see it. Oh, so interesting. The, it, it identifies the subconscious. The subconscious mind lies underneath its sub to the conscious mind. And um, 
I, I believe personally that the more that you explore your subconscious, the more consciousness you have, right? Mm -hmm. Because what happens is as you see what's in your subconscious, you're conscious of it. Right. So there's less and less subconscious, it's more consciousness. So you're bringing um, the shadow into the light. Absolutely. And mm. when you, if you have a dark box and you open it up, there can be no dark. Where there is light, there can be no dark. And so as soon as you acknowledge something, as soon as you can see it, and, and especially at this time on our planet, we have an opportunity to level up like we've never had before. And that that's really been what I'm getting chills as I say that that's really been the task at hand is to help people see what's there. Um, and it, it doesn't have to be painful. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, the, the psychotherapy used to be kind of like this analytical psychotherapy <laughs> where you're just, just nitpicking away. It's actually not that. Um, but that's inner child. Inner child is an aspect of shadow work. And uh, inner child just looks more at fragmentations, parts of you that are often children. So your uh, five-year-old might have had this experience that was so traumatic for your five-year-old. Mm -hmm. And many people mistake that trauma because there's little T trauma and big T trauma. Big T trauma, we understand, of course, it's a massive car accident, losing somebody you love. Uh, being physically sexually abused. These things are big T traumas. Little T traumas are having a parent who is just so busy. A single mom is just so busy trying to make it. You know, she's doing the best she can. She loves you, but she really doesn't have time to hear about your feelings because she barely has time to even acknowledge her own. So those are little T traumas because children need to be seen. Um, and so inner child shadow work. And then when we get to light worker and starseed, there's a book by Dolores Cannon called The Three Waves of Volunteers. I thought it was fascinating. It's a thick book. She <laughs> leaves... I say that because I'm not... I'm intimidated by... I like lots of pictures um, and thin books. Um, and, and I found it fascinating because she began to interview people and she... Uh, not interview, excuse me. She's a hypnotherapist. And during their hip... When they were in deep trance hypnosis... Um, she started to notice a pattern of people talking about coming from another star system, another dimension. And what she discovered was that there was a call made. There was a call made out mm -hmm. into the universes. And, and what she says is almost every being of light answered the call. And they came here and they incarnated in groups. And um, so star seed is a term that is identifying that there are beings here on the planet that come from other star systems and they have not been here just incarnating and exploring earth cycle they came mm -hmm. in specifically to bring light to this planet at a time of ascension light workers are star seeds often it doesn't have to be a star seed but it's a light worker is a being of light that has uh, a distinct mission they came to complete uh, sometimes it's a personal mission and sometimes it's a collective mission for all of mankind or for the animals or the planet. Uh, you know, so it can be very distinctly different what each light worker will come for. Um, some light workers will come here at this time to actually put a wedge into a system 
to force it to shift. <laughs> you know, some mm -hmm. people say, Donald I know some Trump people, is, I know some yeah. people like that. <laughs> yeah. They, they go into the system and then they go, the system isn't sustainable. Let's shift it. And they, they're bringing in the new, um, and we need them to, to, we, I mean, some of us don't want to be in the system. We want to be off grid mm -hmm. and, and wait for those system busters to get that work done. <laughs> <laughs> sit back and relax while everyone else. Yeah, is. <laughs> I'll sit over here and like, I'll heal the grid system, you know, like yeah. that kind of stuff. So, so that's kind of how I define. And by the way, I'm, for any of the listeners, I'm open to this idea of what you've heard starseed and light workers, because uh, to be honest, I, it, it is just how I've come to identify those terms. And just to clarify for our listeners, um, when we talk about star seeds, that's essentially previous lives. You've lived a previous life or have, some of us even have um, actual memories of being on another planet. So that's not necessarily an alien being that's currently living here on planet Earth. It's that in a previous life, you, mm -hmm. were, uh, you were living on another planet in another galaxy and you chose to be incarnated here as a human and are living a human life. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to clarify that aspect of starseed. Um, and then, yeah, light workers think of, I mean, for me personally, when I think of a light worker, I think of someone that you love to be around that uplifts just by their presence. They're a positive person. They are, you know, they come into a room and you feel seen and heard. That in itself is a light worker. It's someone that's, that's uplifting to others. And I feel like a lot of us, even if you don't identify with the term light worker, because it's foreign, if you're into crystals, you are a light worker because you are absorbing that energy. You're getting that good energy and other people can feel it. So whether you acknowledge it or not, I feel like a lot of people are light workers in that way, in the sense of you are bettering yourself as a person, healing yourself and others witness that and they see that in you and it's inspiring to them. That in itself is a light worker. I always felt the term light worker. It's like with the term worker in it, it's like, it feels hard. It feels like I have to do work. <laughs> I'm like, I got to like push this rock up the hill to try to like change the world. And it always felt like there was a little bit of density to it. I mean, a lot of people use this term. Um, and I think there's this idea that to be a light worker, you have to be a healer. You have to be a, a shaman. Mm -hmm. You have to be a, like a Reiki master. You have to like have you know, you have to be working in it. This is your job. This is what you're doing. And I, I kind of like the term like light embodier, right? It's, <laughs> you don't have to, like, maybe there's some people and you've decided to make that your career path. Sure. Amazing. Thank you for your service. But I think there's something to be said for, honestly, like we've got, we've got this handyman who's just Every time he comes in, he's just so happy and he loves what he does and he loves helping people. He loves fixing things. It just gives him so much joy and it makes my life easier <laughs> and yeah. he enjoys doing it. And like, and every time he leaves, I feel so much better. This thing is done that I didn't know how to do. And he's so fulfilled and happy because he got to help and he got to fix something. And I think even that, like, we don't always have, it doesn't always have to be this like esoteric thing. It can be, but I think it's just embodying the light that you have brought to this planet. And I do think for a lot of people that requires 
doing the shadow work because there's a lot of things that can cast shadows over our light. But I don't think like if you want to be a light worker, but you're called to be a painter, it doesn't mean that, you know, or you're called to be a plumber, who knows, right? But you don't have to necessarily be like, I am a crystal healer to be a light worker. So right. I, you know, I think that's something that's often a, mis a misconception. And I think that's also an issue in the spiritual community is this hierarchy that gets created. And it's, if you are embodying your light, then like you're doing your job, right. unless you're called to something, if you, you know, whatever you're called to be, that's, that's right. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you yeah, know, it doesn't I mean totally, <laughs> totally agree. Um, you know, uh, you do feel that, you know, Iris, you do feel that joy around, but light workers, uh, I wrote, I wrote down like 10, 10 signs that you're a light worker one time, mm. because I started to notice a pattern as people would come in. Cause I, one day, uh, you know, when I was in my center, I said, bring me the light workers. I want to work with them. And that word light worker, uh, because they work with light, you know, mm -hmm. embodying it. So yes. I love that light embodier. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, the idea that how I've differentiated it is that you're absolutely right. Uh, we need to have these light embodiers in every aspect of our society. And often they're just like these beautiful antennas of light. They just beam light into the space. And that was the reason in the book, the whole purpose of calling, they could not alter humanity's free will. This is a free will planet. And so the only way to shift the timeline towards like an Armageddon ending was to bring in light. And the only way to bring in light without forcing people, the beings here, was to bring in beings who already held more light. Mm -hmm. But the problem that happened was the first wave. Uh, this is a very dense planet. And many of the starseeds that came had never incarnated on Earth before. And so when they came and dropped into this density, it caused a lot of, uh, well, first of all, it's incredibly painful to, if you're a being of light, to see what's happening here with war and pain and suffering and everything mm -hmm. that's, so they became very depressed and angry and uh, often were medicated, a uh, high rate of suicide. So some of the signs of, light workers is that they have felt like they don't belong. They want to go home. They didn't feel like they belonged in their family. They were the black sheep. They, they would drop into dysfunctional homes and then wonder why nobody could see how messed up it was. Uh, they often left as soon as they could or found families that would, um, that they could connect to. Uh, they would uh, find their path. And the, and to me, one of the signs of this light worker thing is this driving need to something. They feel like they're here to do something. They have a strong, and they don't know what it is. And sometimes it's just to be, but they don't even know that's what it is, you know? Mm -hmm. So I love what you said, because you're right. It does, you don't have to be a healer. And sometimes we need to have a corporate star seed, you know, <laughs> yeah. right. you know, and a corporate, I mean, uh, a star seed plumber. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and because this new earth that we want to be on is really one in which it's designed, which we have higher consciousness so that means that everything that we would be doing would mm -hmm. be of higher consciousness and not just the healers and you know uh the teachers and that mm -hmm. so yeah so but and and you're right i i can speak to that hierarchy that sometimes we will move to this 
higher spiritual connection, but not, but not do the actual 3d work that kind of anchors us in. And, mm -hmm. and like, like me, that's really why my illness came was I, I had so much density in my body. I had to release it and I was not going to do it because I was up here teaching, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a therapist and I'm teaching everybody. And, and so I had to have that moment in my life to, uh, to do my own healing in order to, to continue to go further into higher consciousness. Mm -hmm. I think what you said was very, um, potent and that even if so far as we're talking star seed light worker sounds foreign to you, what Chris just said was that you are, you were born into a family where you felt like you didn't belong. This, this family doesn't feel like they're nothing like me. I, I don't feel this is foreign or this, you know, a lot of times it's the family structure in itself because I've talked to Chris before and we've talked on um, a lot of times starseeds choose families that will basically activate them. It will make them have a very blatant, like, this is wrong. Mm -hmm. And you have to go through all this internal struggle and all this stuff to like, do all your own healing so that you can be a light worker. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think if, if, even if you're not resonating with the starseed light worker terminology, if you have felt different, you have felt that, that you didn't belong and you have these recurring possibly themes in your life, which I think we're going to get into a little bit later of how it shows up. But um, I think that many of us, no matter who's listening, have had traumas throughout our life, um, particularly in our childhood. And so they've not only shaped who we are today, but how we also perceive the world. So maybe we can dive in a little bit into that and how maybe the different ways that it can show up in our lives of, of how we need to be healed or healing our inner child. Yes. Um, I, I always say the patterns are really, really important way to know that you're getting a message. Um, so let's say that a person has a pattern of people talking down to her, no matter where she goes, work, her family, um, on the street, cash register person up behind the cash register. And this is something she notices all the time. And maybe people will say, like, for instance, relationships, all men are dogs. They all cheat. And they believe that all men cheat. And you'll listen to it, you'll think, no, that's not true. Not all men cheat. Oh, no, all of them do. Because all the men I've dated have cheated, right? So there's a pattern. The pattern is showing up because it is uh, being reflected from what's within you into the field. Okay, we are energetic beings and the frequency of, of the sum total of who we are is reflected into the field. And so if you have a belief that all men cheat, you're reflecting that belief into the field and the universe source matches it. It, it answers your call, really. It's like you're manifesting. It's like you're manifesting the thing that you least want. Absolutely. Because that's the thing and, you're focusing on. It's the pattern of your thought process. Absolutely. And there's a lot of feeling that's happening. It's a very mm. a thought that keeps pinging the, uh, I'd say, impulsive, the field. Now, the thing is, some of us, 
and this was in my case, I didn't have those thoughts. I didn't have active thoughts of nobody listens to me or nobody listens to my idea, but I was finding this pattern every time I went into group meetings where I could give an idea and they would all ignore me and then somebody else give the same idea and then it would be like, oh, great idea. And you're like, <laughs> I just said that. And uh, so I didn't have that active thought and that happens to a lot of people. They like, I'm not thinking that because that pattern hap happened very young. And so, and this is where we go to the inner child. It happened very young or by the way, when we, when we do a lot of family work or family of origin work, and then you still have the pattern, we look at past life and ancestral because mm -hmm. it may be such a deep groove in your template that you brought it into this lifetime, often because you're going to heal it for the collective. Um, but anyway, so that that's often the pattern that you're looking for. You're looking at relationship patterns, but it happens in many more than one situation uh patterns of poverty for instance if the family you look back as far as you can know uh no matter how much money people made they lost it they spent it people betrayed them and took it but you find you no matter you have this great position you have lots of money and yet you you're broke all the time that would be very strange right that's a sign that there is something there within that's really needing to be cleared uh, because money's energy. Mm -hmm. And so, so those are uh, kind of uh, some ideas what you're looking for. So it's Thoughts like, about people. So it's like physical. So it's really, I mean, anything, it's just really, we are looking at the pattern. So it could be emotional patterns or physical mm -hmm. patterns or mental patterns or yes. relationship patterns. Really. It's just when there's patterns that are happening and you're like, why is this happening to me over mm -hmm. and over again? That's really when we should stop and say, this is clearly shadow slash inner child work that needs to be done. Yes. And then we contact yes. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and like I said, we usually work with the stuff in the here and now, but sure enough, if it's still lingering, we tend to find past life ancestral aspects to it. And going back to this idea of light workers, one of their missions often is, is to drop into a family line and heal the lineage. Yes. So they'll hold that resonates for me a lot. <laughs> I just keep Same wanting to say so it. I just much. keep nodding of like the ancestral. And I feel like I've, I have seen this like through Instagram too. So I know there's being, be, there's more and more awareness around this, but yes. as mm -hmm. Chris was saying, a lot of times it's our childhood, but a lot of times it's not. If no. you can th start thinking back to the pattern of your mother and her mother and the mother yes. before, and actually really thinking like, oh, this is something that's been going on for generations. Mm -hmm. That's Absolutely. generations that we are, we're not only having to process our own healing and our own inner child, but a lot of times there's all these aspects that we're having to heal an entire line in our ancestry of different things that are a recurring theme. And it's just when you actually sit, take the time to sit and think about it, it's like blows your mind. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's this amazing study. And I, I, I will say, so my dad is a, is a, is a veteran, his PTSD maybe, maybe some other things. Um, but definitely has PTSD. He was in Vietnam and my cousin's wife 
and I were talking. She's a scientist and she was telling me about the study and I'm sure I'm going to ruin some of these details, but she was telling me about the study with mice and they basically had these white lab mice and they um, played this particular sound and then they electrocuted them, not to death, but very painfully. And they did this until the mice were absolutely terrified. And then they would play the sound without shocking them, but all the mice would freak out like they were going to be killed. Then they never did it again. They allowed the mice to breed. Those mice died off. The baby mice were now adults. They had never heard the sound in their entire life. They'd never been shocked in their entire life. They played the sound. They all flipped out like they were going to be dead. They all freaked out. And it took, and I don't remember the exact number, but I think it took like five to seven generations of never shocking them for the sound to finally stop triggering them. And with each generation, there was a bit less of the flipping out, but it still took generation upon generation upon generation because it literally changes the DNA. So then when you add in not just specific traumas that happened to your family, I mean, I remember... I remember like as a kid, I would completely flip out at the sound of helicopters. No idea why until I was an adult. And I was like, oh, because my dad is a war vet and helicopters meant you were going to die. But as a kid, like they would always trigger me. Always. Especially if what they were circling, I would com- I would have complete anxiety slash panic attacks. Wow. wow. And being able to understand that now. And so when you add in then, not just the, spe- the specific ones, but intergenerational trauma, like with, with, with whole cultures that have experienced trauma, it becomes really compounded. And I can understand why it can be really, really challenging because you have so many traumas that have been impacted generation over generation over generation. And I think it's amazing that we finally now are recognizing it. Even the government is recognizing that children of veterans have PTSD. Yeah, absolutely. Fascinating. Thank you for sharing the study. That's incredible. Um, I'm doing a class on ancestral healing. Um, That's amazing. Talking about this being passed down. Um, But I will tell you something. That is one of the reasons I do what you like a family chart, but in their psychotherapy, it's called a genogram. And I look for that. And let me tell you, as soon as they start, I have, uh, I have a couple clients, their sisters, but they're uh, ancestry goes back to the Armenian genocide. Mm-hmm. I don't know if many people don't know about that, but it was as, as uh, horrific as the Holocaust. And it happened just during the world war one. Uh, so it was literally just about 15 years prior to world war two and about the same amount, millions of people mm-hmm. exterminated and they have, uh, just, I see them separately. So it's not together, but they have, really specific, very weird phobias, just very strange word. And, and, and so, you know, it's just, that stands out to me, Mm -hmm. but I know this background and I feel strongly there's some kind of link to the trauma, you know, of, uh, of the uh, family there. But anytime somebody tells me that they're, they have a family lineage through the Holocaust Mm -hmm. or any uh, slavery, Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's definitely worth a, a, a look to heal. I would um, say we should pause. And if you as a listener are sitting there thinking, I have this weird phobia. I don't know why I have it, but I have it. Mm. Look into that. It yeah. very well could be something that needs to be addressed and healed within you that you had no idea. 
Yeah. Call Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whole episode. At seven sixty. Yeah. Or, or at the very least, <laughs> or at the very least, you know, like start to hold space for those, right? Because it is possible yeah. to do. You know, I think this is something also that used to be very much a communal thing, right? Where like someone would experience trauma and the collective, you know, the, the, the clan would come together and they would like hold space and there would, they would be releasing of it. And that doesn't happen in this society, which is why we need therapists, right? That's why we need these places where we can go and space is held for us because society doesn't really condone that anymore. Yes. With so many people waking up right now, they need places like your podcast or, 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 oh, therapists who, <laughs> yeah, or, or therapists who are doing this type of work because they're having these knowings. They're, 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 they're sensing. Mm-hmm. I've had so many people who come to me who's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad there's, there's a therapist who I can talk to about my spirituality, you know, that I, I feel, I believe in these things. Um, and so there, there's a place for, there is a group of people that are really looking for that. I wanted to add another thing about this, um, ancestral stuff that comes up. Um, when the light worker comes in and drops into a family, uh, with the, with the agreement, with the, uh, desire to heal the lineage, one of the reasons that light worker made that decision to do so is because by healing the lineage, we heal the collective. 100%. We heal yeah, we heal the field. And that the field in which we are all existing in still holds, if you can imagine, because Earth really is somewhat of a traumatized planet. <laughs> if you can imagine what this field holds in energy from all the pain and suffering, then and now, of course, all time is now, right? When we are healing that uh, and when literally sending it, sending it to God, sending it to source, right? Uh, we are lifting off just like it. So it's really the, you know, our bodies are the microcosm of the macrocosm, you know, and this planet is an energetic body. So it's another aspect of healing an energetic body. And mm-hmm. it's very, very profound work to, to do that. It may feel like... I was going to say a bad word. (laughs) (laughs) It may feel really bad to be holding that kind of density. Mm -hmm. But if you're listening to this podcast, uh, think about it this way. You may be here to really heal this for your family and for the collective. And that's why you seem to feel like you're all over the place with these emotions. Um, So that's one aspect of what could be happening. I will say that's one of the things that, has really helped me since I think I I had, I don't know if I was from conversation, but I think I I really had that realization the first time um, when my autoimmune illness kicked in, I was bedridden for a year. And I mean, there was a few months of like, what the hell is happening? Like, why me? You know, like a lot of like the victim mentality and being able to move through that and get to the point where I realized this is something I signed up for. And Mm -hmm. this is really hard and it's going to be really hard. But as I am doing it, I am also making it easier for everybody else who is going through this. Like maybe Mm -hmm. it won't like completely be healed, but there's knots. And by me shifting my perspective, by me healing through this, by me bringing in more light, all of a sudden those knots are getting untangled and it's a little bit less 
dense. It's a little bit less sticky. And if someone else is going through this, it's not going to be as challenging for them. And so little by little, we're each contributing to the, to the healing of the entire collective. And so now when I have flare ups, <laughs> it makes it much easier. I mean, really when I, when anything happens to me, that's like, damn it. Um, it's really hard and really emotional and upsetting. It does make it easier of like, I am doing this for my own healing and expansion, but through me, my lineage is being healed through me. The collective is being healed and I am a part of a really big, giant, beautiful hole. And my healing actually matters for more than just me. And that has made it much easier. Because <laughs> that. it has meaning. Because yeah. it has meaning now. Right. Yes. I think that's a beautiful way to look at it when we're going through trials sometimes like that. I never thought of it that way because I this, me and Jillian have so many similar similarities. It's so funny. But I was stuck in a recliner for a year because of my back injury. And there, I remember we had a neighbor that was across the way that literally every day the fireman would show up to because she, she had chronic pain and she would drink and pill herself into oblivion all the time to mm. help her through her pain. And for me, I remember looking at her and being like, I don't want to be that way. I'm going to, I don't, I'm going to do what I need to do so that I don't end up in that route, but never obvious. I never like had the conscious awareness at the time of by doing that, the energy shift that, that my energy shift was almost balancing <laughs> the, the bad energy of where her route was going. And I don't know that was this, this whole little conversation right here is already <laughs> very enlightening for me in that regard. Well, so if you're going through pain and you're, you're not succumbing to it, you're not going down the rabbit hole. You're, you're finding ways to uplift yourself despite it. You're doing amazing work and we see you and we're grateful. And yeah. with, with that, I'd also, I'm curious, Chris, how many of your clients come to you or like, you know, cause I'm sure you work with other people, you know, at the center. And so, um, I just, I just want to like take a moment and talk, like just, just chat a little bit about spiritual bypassing because <laughs> I think that's something that happens a lot in the spiritual community of like, oh, you're just being negative and like love and light vibes. And, <laughs> um, and I think that's something that can be really detrimental. And I would love to hear your, your views on that and, and what are ways that we can hold space for the light as we're doing the shadow work, as we're doing the hard work? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's interesting because when the way that some people wake up is to the higher realm, they wake up to the spiritual calling and they go and they, they start to move and accelerate, which was kind of my experience. Um, and so if you think of it as the four energetic bodies, the physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, if we have got to a place where we're so enlightened, you know, we understand an expanded our understanding of the cosmic uh, consciousness, quantum physics, uh, if we have not done any work on our physical body, so we're not taking care of the physical body, if we haven't taken care of the emotional body or the mental body, you will get stuck at that level. And what may happen, especially if you're a healer, is uh, part of the emotional and mental body uh, has a big, big part 
that we must understand and that is the e ego mind the mind that's judging and comparing mm. and it has the limitation it's the part of us that says you can't do that don't try or she doesn't like you or she's prettier than you or you know you're never going to get out of it those types of things right there now let's just say you've developed a, a really uh, high and maybe a following because you're a great marketer you know <laughs> so you've got 10,000 followers right and people are really listening to you but you haven't done this deeper work of uh, how you were uh, maybe treated as a child in which you started to believe that you weren't worthy and uh, in order to compensate for it you're now really demanding full stage really demanding to have all that so you're hard to work with maybe you know, so what happens is you can only guide and assist others as far as you've come. So now you're you're at a limited stage. You seem to be very spiritual, but you have cattiness and you talk about people. And you don't like this person and you passive aggressively shove this person out of your circle because she shined brighter than you. So those are the things that become problematic as uh, somebody who's very spiritual. Now, let's say you're not a healer, because I like that point you brought up, is that not everybody <laughs> has to be healers. Um, so you're you're doing this work because you're spiritually evolved, but you also notice that you keep attracting um, partners that are emotionally immature. You just keep partner after partner after partner. You can't seem to find somebody who is really at the same level as you and that's again another way to understand that have i really looked at my emotional and mental energies and and if i if i'm not wanting to look at them that's actually a sign mm -hmm. that there's maybe something there you don't want to see and i can tell you that sometimes it's so subconscious you just have I'll give you an example because I had uh, went to a friend who does breath work here in Encinitas and I was doing breath. I came there because of a friend and I'm doing this breath work and all of a sudden uh, the rush came of this energy and it came really fast coming up and it came so fast and I stopped it and I could tell like it just stopped like that and I could feel like it was this ball of grief. And I just stopped it, and then I, I didn't know what to think, but I could feel it, right? Well, I never went and did any work on that. I knew it was there. I knew some, and it happened another time, and I went, oh, there it is again. But I didn't want to deal, deal with it, right? I didn't want to really investigate it. I, did, I couldn't trust anybody to see what that is. And so I kept going down the line, and eventually I got really sick. You know, so I believe that if it's important enough for you to do some shadow work and inner child, that you will continue to get blocked in some way. Mm -hmm. And how's like, what is a good way in your opinion to, because it also seems to me to put the, the good vibes only mindset, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm only manifesting good things, good vibes only, love and light. Um, I, I feel like that also comes very much from a place of privilege. You know, maybe you mm. have less trauma in your ancestral lineage. Um, or 
from like blatant, I will not, I will not go into this. I will not, because there's a lot of fear is, you know, it, from, from what you're saying, it seems like there's like, I don't want to go into that. So what's, I guess, I don't know how to ask this exactly, but like, how do you balance the not dwelling and like staying in and living in that negative mindset with acknowledging the childhood traumas and the lineage traumas and being able to to really delve into it so that it actually can be healed. Because if you, you know, I know for myself, there's, there's things that I've dove into and like, I did, I ended up actually not having the support system that I needed to really work on it. And I got very stuck for a long time on, on things and was very pessimistic and very negative about it, even though generally I'm not a pessimistic or negative person, but I got stuck there. So how do we balance those two things? How do we balance like wanting to embody the light while also investigating the shadow? Is there a way to do that that's healthy? Is there a way to do that by ourselves that's healthy? <laughs> yeah. So the, the healthy part is balance. So if you look in nature, nature teaches us everything. So harmony, balance is what nature shows us that there is both. We live on a planet of duality. So spiritual, uh, so we reach a level of understanding of spirituality, um, accepting that part of us, right? The knowing that that exists within us. That's been the hardest lesson, I think, for many people who um, have worked so hard to get to a place of, uh, what you say, kind of like that spiritual hierarchy. Mm -hmm. Like there is a certain amount of ego when we get into that state, right? And there's nothing wrong with the ego because ego's here with us to stay, you know, <laughs> and let's just acknowledge it, you know, you know, like, oh, there's my ego, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, even like going, oh, is that lighting right on my, you know, like we just have it, mm -hmm. but it's a matter of what's healthy. Healthy is acceptance of both aspects of who you are, of all aspects of who you are, knowing they, be, they are there making choices to look at it and to work with it, uh, to be able to be vulnerable enough to share it because so often we don't like, I, I can tell you uh, as for many years, I believe that as a therapist, that meant I had to really be perfect. Okay. Mm. That I should have the best relationships and I should not have had any, problems in my life. <laughs> right? right. Pretty. That's it. Uh, that's insane. <laughs> Especially coming from the trauma that I did to get to where I'm at. So I wanted to hide these aspects of me because I thought people would think less of me if they knew that I actually have struggled on many levels. And that is part of where the opening of self to be able to say, uh, I accept me. And that means you have to work with whatever your ego is creating about me. If you have judgment against me. So as a spiritual leader, I say what's healthy is know you have ego, know you have stuff, look at it and be vulnerable enough to know that you're another human having a human experience, you know, you're another being having a human experience. And so you're just like 
everybody else. And that's what I'll say that, you know, with my clients, because, you know, I've walked the talk. I didn't become, I didn't go back to school to my early forties. So I had already lived a lot of life by the time Mm -hmm. I did that. And, um, and then finished my bachelor's, went on to my master's. So, you know, I was 45 or 44 when I graduated with a master's and 46 when I got my license, you know, so I was already having, yeah, done a lot. Yeah. So thank you. (laughs) So, yeah. And I had children, divorce, all of that. So there's, there's things that help us be better and they're often a crisis. And I think it's good too, to acknowledge that nobody's perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. okay not to be perfect. And it's okay to acknowledge, like, you don't have to shove it under a rug. You definitely shouldn't because it's going to pop up. <laughs> it's going to pop up. There's no it's way to hide shit. it. The monster's going to come up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's going to show up in different ways, whether it's physically, whether it's emotionally, when you're dealing with your own child, which is yep. how it worked with me and my stepson and raising him is you can mm-hmm. shove it under a rug, but it's going to show up. So you might as well pull back the rug and start looking at it. <laughs> I feel like it's the difference yeah. between like emotional dust bunnies that you're like, all right, little bunny, let's, let's work together. Or like, if you ignore it, it turns into like a giant dust monster. <laughs> right? Yeah. Totally. And I'd like to add something too, is often when we suppressed and, and, or car- compartmentalized or put something on the shelf. Oh or yeah. The that's, box. that's me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So many shelves. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I don't see it. I don't see it. <laughs> a lot of the times what happened was we did that because when it happened, we were young and we had no other choices. Yes. You had There's to keep going. There's nothing we could do. Yeah, we had to keep going. Now, trust, and that's why going through some guidance to do it, because now we are so much more powerful. I work with the most amazing people. Hmm. They are very powerful and very amazing people. And so really being able to now go back to it and, and actually re uh, so the inner child work is about re uh, sometimes doing a restoring of that narrative that was created, right? Created and uh, allowing you to have a new story about who you are. So you, def- you're def- sometimes we have what we call trauma personalities. All right. Yeah, I'm showing up with this personality because I had to have all these defense mechanisms in order to survive. And the true self never really ever got to be formed. That's the work. So we want that true self to be out there because she's shining. He's shining. He's amazing. He's the leader. He's the divine masculine. She's a divine feminine. I would love to hear more about like what what that process actually looks like when you are working with yourself or working with your clients, the, the actual like act of inner child work. Cause we've talked a lot about it, but we haven't really dived into like what it, what it looks like and what it specifically entails. So we have the restoring, um, I guess, is there any other parts that you bring into that or, or what does the restoring process even look like? So if somebody has something that starts to pop up in their other work where we start to see there's an age that something happened um, or something happened and we go back to the earliest age, typically I'm looking at about four to seven because younger than four is not as, as much uh, verbal. Uh, some some kids are highly verbal, so we can go to three. So, but by two, we don't have a lot of verbal. If things happen to you in that period of time, one to three, they're more somatic, so you have no memory usually, and you need to work with it 
it literally coming out of your body. So we're talking about verbal. So we start to find out that there's something there. So what I'll have a person do is close their eyes and in their mind's eye, and, and some people cannot visualize. So uh, if your audience would close their eyes and imagine an apple and then imagine themselves at a young age, you can imagine yourself now and just see if you could just see a tree and that's your inner eye, your ability to see, you know, like, so you could just throw different things, a little dog walking around the tree. <laughs> so now you're being able to visualize in your inner mind and that's where you go. So you are now traveling into what I call a fourth dimensional field, which is the field of possibilities. And that is a place where anything can happen, much like the dream state. So that exists in the now moment. And now you've now brought your past into your now moment. You are working with the now, but you're working with a part of you that is fragmented. So now I'd like you to go back. And if you guys want to do this with me, close your eyes and imagine yourself at five years old. And I'd like you to find her wherever she is. She could be at home. She could be in school. Maybe find her when she might've been sad, but if you can't find her when she's sad, it's okay just for this purposes of this exercise. And I'd like you to stand in front of her and just tell me what you see her do if when you stand in front of her. What do you see? And what is she doing? Do you want to go, Jillian? <laughs> oh, I just assumed we'd be quiet so everyone could answer in their mind. But oh, okay, um... well, uh, I'll, I'll just tell you, if you yeah. tell me something. So let me just give you an example. What that child does tells me something mm. about its connection to you. Okay, so, so for, for in... so for mine, sister, for example, mm -hmm. so for mine, um, she's in her closet because that was like mm -hmm. my safe space. <laughs> so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, she's in her closet. And I opened the door of the closet and she like did not want to leave the closet. She wanted to stay in her closet. <laughs> yeah. So for you, Jillian, right there, symbolically, uh, you're seeing a five-year-old part mm -hmm. that is actually uh, cut off, closed off, right? Uh, so we're talking subconscious mm -hmm. um, that doesn't want to come out. Mm -hmm. So what I would have you do is fill your heart up with lots of love, lots of love. Just make it a big ball of love energy and send it right into her heart and then in your mind to say i love you so much you are amazing right mm -hmm. and so this unconditional love begins the journey towards this part um some so some children like my my, uh, my five-year-old part was kind of hesitant like almost like a sideways glance like what are you doing here like what mm -hmm. do you want kind of like what do you why are you talking to me mm -hmm. i don't understand you know so there is no real talking to me so then i would feel like why are, what what's the purpose so that tells you a little bit about how much this joining is necessary so you continue to work with this part now sometimes to get her to come out of the closet may require you to say Let's say her favorite thing to do was to ride horses. And you say, would you like to go ride horses right now? And the kid goes, okay. 
you want to go on the merry-go-round? You want to go play jacks? You know, you you do something. You go in the closet with her and, and just sit there and just keep sending her beautiful love. Mm-hmm. So you're, I'm going to be guiding the person through what to do, depending on what their part does. Um, the next piece, once we get a little bit of trust, because it's trust, you're wanting that part to trust you. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to go to a scene, depending on what we're working on. And that scene will be something in which the child was hurt. But we're going to have now you, and you imagine you're now like an archangel is to you, right? An archangel mm-hmm. comes in as higher frequency. You are now a higher frequency being to this child. So you come in as love and unconditional regard. And now you're guiding and also assisting. So you might be talking to her, explaining to her why the people in the house did what they did. Like they're sometimes, sometimes by the way, our parents, um, and this has happened. My kids have experienced it with me. The mom I was when they were little is not the mom I am today and not the grandma I am today. So I'm not that person anymore, but they have trauma from their younger years. Right. And so that is hard for us as adults to, to say, well, there's something wrong. So when you go back to this part of you that remembers it was wrong, you want to either explain, protect, or correct the experience. And by doing so, I believe you provide another timeline in which your younger self can experience what it would have been like had the parent responded to you in the loving way. And that gives this subconscious part of you another reality And in that moment, who would you be today if that had actually happened? So you could actually shift yourself into another timeline. Well, it's very subtle how these things shift us in the now when we come back from those kind of experiences. I often will have them bring back their child part when they're ready. And then they get to have them hang out with them and talk to them. Not out loud. You're just talking in your mind. And I say, oh, if you go to the grocery store and buy ice cream, have have your little girl pick out the flavor, you know. Um, or <laughs> if you go do something really exciting, a roller coaster, go, you want to go on a roller coaster? And you're just playing. You're snugging. If you're – I had my uh, four- and seven-year-old parts snuggle with me at night. Aww. You know, like just, yeah, just kind of hug and cuddle. I think it's, a, so, it's essentially like we're we're taking the chance and taking the time – to re-parent our younger selves. So whatever was happening then, whether we felt like we were ignored, our voice wasn't being heard, whatever that was as as a child that now we may not even, again, we've talked about it being subconscious. We may not even realize how that's affecting us, the walls that we're hitting as an adult. This is our time to take the time (laughs) and meet with our younger self and be that figure that they didn't have. I think that's yeah. so beautiful. And especially with, you know, what you even mentioned before, right? All time is actually happening simultaneously. Quantumly, this has been this has been proven. So what I also love about the idea is like you actually are, like you're the angel that you felt in the room. You actually yeah. we actually can shift these timelines. And like their echoes will always be there. But that doesn't mean that the new timeline doesn't become like the present one. Yeah. 
and you're bringing them home because of fragmented parts. And, and so this is the other piece to it. The triggers you feel in the now mm -hmm. are often that part of you getting triggered. When you get triggered, look to see what is that message you think is happening, mm. right? And then look to see when did you hear that message before? And often you'll see that people are triggering you and they're triggering that part of you. That part of you is, is actually what's, what's hurting. So when you actually bring them home, what you're saying is, I've got this. I've got you. I'm your protector now. And I, it's okay. Nobody's hurting you anymore, especially if you had people who were, right? I'm in a safe place now, and I have a safe partner. I have somebody here who loves me, and, and we're not in pain anymore, right? Because sometimes we're like, Eckhart totally talks about the pain body. Mm -hmm. We're constantly reenacting. Well, I, I believe it's these parts of us that are not healed that are being triggered. I think that's a good way to look at it is anytime I f you feel triggered, like this is bothering me. That is your mirror. It's yeah. bothering you. That is your mirror. Go within and find out why. Why mm -hmm. is whatever this woman doing so upsetting to you? Mm -hmm. Let's dive into that. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, a wonderful realization for all of us that when we're feeling that way, think of that as your mirror and going inward with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And ask this, this question is, what does that mean? Right? What am I making that mean? What is that? That's about me. Because mm -hmm. usually the trigger is something about you personally. Right? Yeah. So if somebody talks over you, you feel triggered, there's a message about you, you might say, Oh, well, it's because she's so rude. Right? I hate people like that who are rude. <laughs> it, it, well, and that's what people typically will do. Well, if you would just stop doing that. But the truth is, what somebody that person can do the same thing to someone else and they just keep talking. They don't, they don't feel anything. Right. Mm -hmm. The, the trigger is that when I, and this is an example, what does that mean about me? Right. What, why am I so offended when I was little? No one ever listened to me. People talked over me all the time. And now when this person, or now when you do it, that part of me, right. Is deeply hurt. And I get angry, right? She gets angry. Mm -hmm. And so when we heal those parts of us, when this has happened so many times with my clients, they'll go back to their family of origin. They're like, my mom hasn't changed a bit, but she doesn't bug me. They're like, yeah. Or yeah. they go back and they say, my mom is acting very sweet and she actually is listening to me. That's an interesting shift. Hmm. So can you explain to our listeners a few of the modalities that you use to address inner child wounds? I think it's so amazing that you were able to, in real time, show a little bit of, of how you go about that. But if you could talk about the different ways that in your therapy sessions, you're able to help. One of the ways that I use is a method uh, developed by Dr. Asha Clinton, who's a clinical psychologist, and it releases patterns of beliefs um, through the chakra system. Hmm. And so you develop a statement that resonates with the client about a belief or something that happened that they believe is true, right? And by 
saying that statement out loud by they move through each chakra system there's about i think 12 the energy of that belief is released so we we go on a scale of zero to ten so if say somebody says it's a 10 and it's very intense we work through it to get it to a zero um, so that really helps with just patterns and all of the things we've been talking about hmm. uh, another me uh, method is to do the inner child parts work where they go back uh, to that part and work with uh, with it uh, the emotion code um, I certified mm -hmm. as an emotion code practitioner that's developed by Dr. Bradley Nelson, who's a chiropractor, previous chiropractor. Uh, and it is looking at, uh, he actually had this downloaded to him in terms of this method. And so what you're releasing is trapped emotions. So often trapped emotions can be held from family of origin. Many of us were in families that our feelings were not acknowledged. Uh, our parents did not have the tools, and so we had to stuff or hold or disassociate from our own feelings. And so this releases all that energy. Also, this works with the ancestral past life energies because uh, they can pop up as well. And uh, soul journeys, just basically through my, uh, I just basically go into my mind's eye and I am able to see symbolically a message it's a message that is given to me about that person through symbolism that shows up in a particular field mm -hmm. and so many different variations of that can happen um, and that will often bring to each person an answer and a healing as i uh, discover uh, often i don't even know what it means but the person does and that that becomes profound for them so you essentially are channeling messages yeah wow yeah absolutely okay. yeah it's really i i never thought of myself as a channeler but it really is what i'm doing hmm. um and it, and that came after the awakening after my illness wow that's amazing for those who aren't necessarily able to to, to book with you specifically are there any books that you can recommend or maybe um, if there's groups online that kind of do things that are similar to you, um, I, I guess a combination of like, how, how can people access this if they're not able to access you specifically? So I guess like books, um, how can they find a therapist in their own area to work with? Is there, is there like a network that we don't know about of like therapists that have gone rogue? Um, I think just any, any support, I know, something to start guys, something to start. There, well, the books, uh, there's there's three that come to mind that are really powerful books. Um, one is a, a book by Michael Singer called The Untethered Soul. Another book by Eckhart Tolle called The Power of Now. The other one by Louise Hay. Mm -hmm. um, your, let me see, You Can Heal Your Life. And I love that. It's a workbook. I would say that if you're not a spiritual and a lot of the things that we've talked about maybe didn't resonate in terms of light workers and talking about things on a cosmic level. Louise Hay's book is a really good starting point because it's more practical about you know what we all know. And then Eckhart Tolle's, Tolle's book is um, also another one that would be the next level. And then Michael Singer's would be uh, deeper into 
our spiritual teachings. I don't know of any groups uh, that are doing that. I, I know of a couple therapists that are similar to me in, in my area in North County, San Diego. Uh, they are, I'm in North County. They're in San Diego proper. But you do it, online it as been, well, right? Like you do online. I do. Okay. Yeah. When I work online, I'm not working. Uh, so I'd like to also clarify that as a licensed therapist, I am licensed only in California. So I can't do psychotherapy with someone across state lines. They, the person has to actually be residing in California. So mm-hmm. all of California, I could do psychotherapy with. So I can offer my energy healing and shamanic work uh, as, as more of a coach, a spiritual coach. And that is something that I do offer people across. And it's, a, it's just slightly different in that we're working more with these methods and clearing. And I try to stay more focused on that and deeper work that could be worked with a therapist. I'll, I'll actually help them get connected to somebody and to work through those pieces. What, those what are some ways that people can connect with you? Um, your website, uh, do you have any social medias? I'm, you know what, I'm one of, I'm probably one of the old school people. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I have, I have social media, but I don't use it to really attract clients. So I would give out my email. Okay. So my email is co-create balance. It's my initials K O hmm. or Chris Olivas, create balance at gmail.com. And send off an email to me. We'll in link it in the notes. show notes along with yeah. the books. Yes. Yep. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, Iris, do you have any crystal formations that you think would be supportive for these? Yes. 100%. So I have several crystals to work with when we're working on our inner child. Um, the first two are going to be channeler and rainbows. Any crystal that has a rainbow inclusion. Both of those crystals are going to come in and really help to open up our chakras to bring in that light so that we can go then go in and heal each of these aspects of our chakras. So both of those are really good for opening and clearing our chakras. And then we can come in and do the healing. So the first one that I would recommend is one I've recommended before, which is self-healed. Self-healed crystals are crystals that were damaged typically while they were still in the earth growing. And then what happened was, is instead of having like a broken off shard, this crystal has healed itself over. What this appears like is it's a surface marking that we can see on crystals that resembles crumpled paper. It can look like fingerprints. What's really beautiful is when you see that it's healed into triangular terminations all over that, that breakage. So they're really crystals about self-healing, healing selves. So that's going to be the number one that I recommend when you're really looking for support doing this inner child work. The next two are paramount when it comes to healing the inner child and its mother and child formation as well as inner child. There's actually a crystal formation called inner child. So inner child formation is a... Um, It's essentially, people will refer to it as a penetrator quartz. So it's actually piercing another crystal, but it's piercing the crystal with its base. Um, And then the majority of the crystal is held within. And that's really going to be the crystal to help us, A, connect with our inner child. Chris did that beautiful meditation um, walkthrough of us getting in touch 
with our inner child, with our inner, our, our younger selves. And so this crystal is not only going to help to connect with that inner child, but also help us to heal those wounds, to get in there and really work through the traumas that we've been through, even if it's not, it's not necessarily a trauma. Um, whatever it is that's inhibiting us now, it's going to help us to get into those and really heal. It's like a balm to that. And then because it's inner child, what do you think of when you typically hear the term instead of damage inner child, the term inner child. It's letting your your creativity and your wonder and that spark of being a child, seeing with eyes anew. It's also going to help in that regard, which is beautiful. And then um, the last formation is going to be mother and child. Now, this is one that is typically um, referred to accidentally as twin, and it's when two points are side by side. But rather than being the same size, um, like a tantric twin, I think of it more as like your pinky and your ring finger, one's larger, one's smaller. And that's really going to help bring in the the emotions of mothering. So motherly emotions. They're going to help us to have that motherly, those the compassion, the the caring, all the terms that you feel when you think of the term motherly or what we we envision this beautiful being of a mother is or should be. And it helps us to bring that in for ourselves so that we can mother and nurture ourselves as well as they also are really good to pair with inner child crystals to really do that inner child work as well. So those would be the five crystal recommendations that I have for healing our inner child. Oh my gosh. Well, I personally have done a ton <laughs> A ton of inner child work. So these are actually crystals that I'm like, oh, I've, all, I've got these all in one place. Let me pull them out. So um, <laughs> the first one is actually going to be kunzite. And kunzite, I've got two examples here. So I've got, because I use kunzite a lot. So I have two examples here. So this one is a, a, a beautiful kunzite that's a, a bit lower grade, but still absolutely stunning. And then I actually have, this is like one of my personal gem grade. It's like really saturated. Beautiful. Um, so those are my two pieces I work with the most. But kunzite, it's one of the best mothering crystals. And so it's really great for like, if you have someone who's about to have a child or especially for the first time, it can help like with new mothers and, and all of that. But for this context, um, it's a really powerful stone for remothering or reparenting yourself, especially if you were not able to get all of the mothering or parenting that you really needed as a child. So it's really supportive in that it really supports and infuses um, love right? With, with that really like parenting energy to it. So kunzite, I think is one of the best ones you could possibly use for inner child work. I will also say, um, dioptase is one of an, another one. Wow. Um, <laughs> interestingly, when I began, uh, selling crystals, dioptase and shatakite were my two like first buys, like which were like two very people. expensive crystals, <laughs> two very expensive, two very rare and like obscure so crystals. beautiful. Yeah. But um, I think it's because it's what I really wanted and needed at the time. So uh, dioptase is a stone for specifically like trauma recovery. So mm -hmm. and the, and the, you know, the elements in that are also like forgiveness, but really it's when things have happened that have, whether it's big T or little T, things that have really shaped 
who we are, but maybe not who we're actually supposed to be in really healing those. So Dioptes is one of my favorites. That's so um, funny, not to interrupt, but both Kunzai and Dioptes came into my life like extreme right when I met Rob and my stepson, Quinn. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Quinn was bringing up all the stuff of yeah. my childhood. So, so funny that you say that. Wow. Yes. wow. <laughs> um, another one I would recommend, which might be a little bit more common than these like rare or more expensive crystals is gray or silver moonstone. What I like about moonstone, it's inherently like a very feminine energy, but the gray moonstone or silver, it does have like a little bit of that like, older energy, right? It's not like white moonstone. It's not like, you know, rainbow moonstone, right? It's a little bit of like, there's a wisdom to it. Um, it also has a little bit of like shadow energy to it, right? It's not black moonstone, but it's, it's like gray. And I, I personally have really enjoyed using that for my own, um, light infused shadow work, shall we say for deep shadow work, obsidian, especially rainbow obsidian, um, are, are kind of like the ways to go. But I think shadow works probably going to end up being another, another episode we dive into, but I really enjoy gray moonstone for like the light infused repatterning, shall we say. Um, and then the last one is another like super rare one. Sorry guys. But I will also say, if you aren't able to access these specific crystals physically, calling in the energy of the crystals, especially for these expensive ones, like don't go like spending money you don't have on crystals, seriously. But like mm-hmm. either taking quartz, I mean like quartz, I really need you to be the energy of Papagoite right now. Or like oh, Papagoite, I just need you to be with me right now. I just, I'm calling in your energy. That can still do the trick. It's okay. So um Anyway, this is my little Papagoite, which was actually a gift from a client. There's oh, a little wow. bit of Ahoite there as well. But um, I know I was like, I opened this and was just floored. Uh, so Papagoite is is very rare. Um, it's like the brother sibling stone to Ahoite. But it's a stone of transmuting sorrow into joy, transmuting wow. sorrow into like childlike wonder and like being mm. open again. And especially as we're doing this, like having those reminders, life is amazing. And there, you know, children naturally have this wonder and this joy and big T, little T traumas come and often will compartmentalize that or, or, or even you know, rob that wonder and that joy. And so Papagoite is a really great one for, for helping us re-embody that again. So those Beautiful. are my picks. Love. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Can, can I just add that what you just said there, that's the whole purpose of the shadow work, the inner child work is to bring you back to your childlike wonder and awe. That's when we are our true self. Mm-hmm. This one. Yes. I yes. So I love it. I have to get some of that. I'll have to talk to you later. Um, and inner child oh, actually I- does the exact same thing. I didn't get yes. like super into it, but it's so awesome. I love it. And then yeah. Chris, we still need to ask you two things. One, you mm-hmm. have um, provided a lovely discount for oh. our listeners. Do you want to well, tell them about yes. that? Yes. Um, so I'm going to offer to any of the listeners that just need to mention your podcast, Crystallizing Conversations, and it's going to be 25% off wow. uh, 90 minute session. So it's 197 for 90 minutes. I do like that 90 minute because we can really dive into everything and actually get a clearing done at that time and be able to give the person maybe some insight as to what 
was really underneath it all. So uh, anybody so generous who's to this podcast, you. that's so generous. I know. Contact me. I was like, I'm going to contact you. You're right. Um, <laughs> like, I could use some more work. Um, and then lastly, so you have, you've created a, a really powerful embodiment journey for us. And yes. I'm really looking forward to, to how people respond to this one, but would you, would you share a bit about it? Yes. Uh, one of the most important things, uh, you're clearing energy, but you really need the vessel to be filled with light, right? That's the whole point is mm -hmm. we're really wanting to fill with light. So the chakras need to be open and cleared. And so working with them really enhances this work. So as a gift, I'm going to give an audio meditation in which we bring light in and begin to clear every one of the chakras. And we're going to move into Mother Gaia and bring up her wisdom mm -hmm. and bring up all of that as we uh, embody it and also send it out. So I believe that we are the conduits of bringing heaven to earth. And then we then are able to heal this planet with our heart, our heart energy. So that the, the meditation will about, about healing you and healing this planet through everything that flows out of you. And that will be available for purchase on our website, everybody. So make sure and head to crystallizingconversations.com. Thank you mm -hmm. so much for being here, Chris. This has been such an amazing, enlightening episode. And mm -hmm. we are honored to have had you on here. So thank you for being here. Oh my gosh. Thank you. You guys are so amazing. I love the work <laughs> you're doing. It's so much fun. And I feel like we could just keep talking. We really so could. We really <laughs> we'll could. have we'll another episode have... with you. Yeah. We'll, we'll, yes, we'll, we'll figure definitely. out another topic. And, um, yes, and, and my voice will be back to normal by then. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Well, I couldn't tell. So you're fine. Yeah, you could tell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and for those of you listening, if you enjoyed this episode, if you wouldn't mind giving us a rating, if you don't already follow us, make sure to follow us so you get notifications when we have new episodes. Um, we don't have like a, our set schedule is, is full of new moons. So it's not always on a specific day of the week. It's not always on a specific date. So that's the best way to know when our episodes drop. Um, we are available on Spotify, Apple Play, I think all, all of them, but definitely those two. If you like to watch watch the videos. Some people are very more, are more visual and like to watch. Um, and also then you can actually see the physical crystals as we're holding them up. Um, you can watch us on YouTube. Our episodes are now being updated there as well. Uh, we also have our website, which is crystallizingconversations.com, uh, where you can sign up for our membership for bonus episodes. And on Apple, I think we now have it. You can just do it straight through Apple. Through Apple yeah. And it makes it very convenient for those of you who have iPhones. <laughs> I have an Android, so I didn't even know this was a thing, but it's there now for your convenience. Uh, if you don't follow us on Instagram, please do so. Let us know what you've thought of the episodes as they drop. And also please comment on if you have any thoughts, impressions of anything impacted you. We'd love to hear that. We'd love to know that we made a difference in this world um, as we all want to. And we also are really curious about future, you know, future topics that you want us to discuss. So make sure to connect with us there. Um, and most importantly, if you enjoyed this, share this with your friends. <laughs> community oriented. Yes. Both of us are four lines in human design. So we like community here. So share with your friends. Yay. What are you <laughs> in human design? Um, we both are, have four lines in our profile. So we're both oh. very like community. 
I have to look. I have to look. Yes. So, um, but Chris, thank you so much for being on here. I hope that this uh, was a, a fun experience for you. And I'm sure that our listeners are coming away a little bit wiser and a little bit more self-aware. So thank you for sharing your wisdom. We appreciate thank it so, so much. much. And thank you. thank you all for listening. Have a great couple weeks. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Take care. This concludes another episode of Crystallizing Conversations. We are so grateful for every moment you spend with us, whether that's listening in or connecting with like-minded friends in the Crystallizing community. To find out how to join, visit us at crystallizingconversations.com, where you can also explore our memberships, which gives you access to bonus episodes, astrological forecasts, behind-the-scenes content, live Q&As, meetups, and more. If this episode resonated with you, you can deepen your exploration through our embodiment journeys, ranging from mini courses to guided meditations to applied practices, all curated to support your embodiment and integration of each episode's topic. Remember, every time you choose to heal and grow, the collective heals and grows with you. Thank you for crystallizing with us.